It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. John chapter 14, verse 16, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Jesus was telling his disciples, and the 14th chapter of John was a, it was, is a neat passage of Scripture. Jesus is trying to tell them what's going on, what's happening, what's happening and what's going to happen, and they still weren't catching it. But he told them a, an interesting key there. In verse 16 of John chapter 14, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. They were afraid that they were going to be left alone. How were they going to live this life? How were they going to do what they needed to do without him here? You know, sometimes that might be what we think. How am I going to, how can I live this life? How can I live a, uh, this, uh, a life for Christ? Well, he said, you know, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Uh, I, I'm going to pray. And so he says that in verse 16, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you, everybody say forever. So he's abiding, he's with us, he's present, he uh, dwells with us, he's, you know, he's an ever-present help. That's how God fulfills that scripture, he's an ever-present help in our time of need. Verse 17, he identifies him, he says, he's the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells, what? With you, and will be what? Now, did you notice that? He dwells with you. And he will be in you. You know, the Holy Spirit we want to talk about today, since this is Pentecost Sunday, he does an outward work and he does an inward work. At salvation, God, as we talked about a while ago, declares the believing sinner to be righteous based on what Jesus did, not on what we did. So this process, this act of, of justification, really kind of involves a little process at first. And in the first chapter of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul tells us, he said that God accepted us, he adopted us, he predestined us. And so he tells about what God the Father did. And then he goes on to say, and Jesus forgave us, and, he, and he's placed us, uh, he's redeemed us, and he placed us in his family. And then he tells us that the Holy Spirit does something. The Holy Spirit seals us and guarantees that we have this provision, this inheritance that was promised to us. The Holy Spirit seals us. At salvation, the Holy Spirit seals you. In other words, it's kind of like he puts uh, this stamp on you, on, on this, this, this document, if you will. In the courts of heaven, God the Father, the judge, is sitting there, and you know, here we come as the accused before him, and we're guilty. We're all guilty. We're all sinned. The Bible said all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in fact, First John says, if you say you have no sin, you lie and you deceive yourself. So we're still sinners today, you know? Yeah, well, I go to a service and, and at the end the preacher says, so is any sinners here? I, I raise my hand. What? You're a pastor. Well, but the Bible says that uh, if you say you have no sin, you lie and deceive yourselves. And you make him out to be a liar. See, we all have this self-will in us. Iniquity is self-willfulness. It's doing my will instead of God's will. And that's called wickedness. Rebellion, the Bible says, is as the sin of witchcraft. And if I rebel and do my will instead of God's will, that's evil. That's wickedness. That's sin. And that's in me. So every day I'm fighting that so that I'm not doing my will, but I'm doing what Jesus said when he told us to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Every day that I get up, I need to say, you know what, I want to lay down my life. 
And I don't want to do my will. Father, I want to do your will. But I need some help. How can I do that? See, I fail every day. I don't know about you. You guys are probably don't have any problem with that. But I fail every day because I'll catch myself doing my thing. I'll catch myself being me. Boy, that's not good. You ever do that? About the middle of when you're just like that. And he's like, I don't think that's Jesus. Oh, many, many years ago, before I moved to Texas, I was a Christian, and I'm trying, I'm trying to live this sanctified life. I'm trying. Pulled into Walmart. I had a little Subaru. Back then, they were just fresh from being a beer can over into being a car. <laughs> there wasn't much difference between them, you know? And some guy in a big dooley had opened his door, and it just wedged in between my little Subaru. And he just looked at it like... What are you doing there? And so he pulled on that door, pulled it back, and it just ripped off the, the molding on the side of the car. Well, I, that didn't sit real well with me. Well, I went up there, and, and man, I was a... And, and he, on his door, it pull, pulled his back just a little tiny bit. I'm looking him in the face, and I grabbed that, and I ripped that off of his car. <laughs> and about in the middle of that, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit said... That's a real good witness, isn't it? <laughs> Going to be kind of hard to lead somebody to Jesus after you rip the, their, their molding off of their car, too. Well, he had it coming. Oh, that don't, that don't hold. See, you know, now that, like I said, that was many, many years ago. I hope I've changed some since then. I just don't go to Walmart. Is what the <laughs> but, you know, it's a tough thing trying to live this life. It's hard. It's hard. And what I found is I need help. I need help. And you know, the Holy Spirit is our helper. That's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to send you a helper because you need it. <laughs> Some of you need it more than others, but you need it. I'm going to send you a helper so that you can do this. The Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. And then it says he dwells with us and he'll be in us. He dwells with us because he's, he's an ever-present help. He's there. He seals us. And like I said, before the, in the courtroom of heaven, God the Father's there and he looks down and we are sinners. But yet Jesus lived a righteous life. He shed his blood that we might be saved. And so based on his righteous works, the judge says, bam, takes that gavel down, forgiven to us. He credits it to our account. And he says, forgiven, you are forgiven. It's all erased. Everything against you has been erased. It's all been removed as far as the east is from the west. You are forgiven. And he sends that down. And so the paperwork goes over. Jesus signs it in his blood, in his name, passes it over to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes and puts that seal on it and says, I guarantee he is a child of God. No matter what happens, and I'm guaranteeing that, that when that time comes, it's to spend eternity and to fulfill that inheritance that he's going to be there, I'm going to make sure I guarantee that he is a child of God. That's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff right there. So, so he dwells with us, so he's there guaranteeing our salvation. But there's something else. Not only does he do that outward work, he does an inward work. And Jesus is trying to tell him, said, he's going to be with you. He's going to abide with you. He's going to dwell with you. But he also can be in you. Now, how many know that there's a difference of being with you and being in you? See, I got this bottle of water. It's with me. I can take it with me wherever I go. I can take it with me. It does a lot of good, doesn't it? It's there if I need it. But you know, there's a difference of being with me and 
being in me, right? And you know, there's a difference in the Holy Spirit. He baptizes us or immerses us into the body of Christ. Today, as we were seeing these people today being baptized, the water was the medium. And so they were immersed into this water and that represented something, you know, that they were placed in it and immersed in it. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ, and now we are a child of God. But I want to tell you something. When they went down in this water, they were in the water. They, the water wasn't in them, you know? Like that one young preacher, he had a baptismal service one morning, and he also had a communion service. And so he kind of got mixed up in the middle of the baptismal service. And he was saying his thing, you know, and he went down and he said, he got mixed up with the communion. He says, and drink ye all of it. Now, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to be drinking the water, right? So there's a difference of being in it and it being in you. And so there's something different about just being immersed into the body of Christ, the outward work of the Holy Spirit, and the inward work. It says, be filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus, this is the, the last words of Jesus. You know, the last words of anybody, they're pretty important words, aren't they? We, you know, we have this whole list of things you can go through, you can Google, and you can say, you know, final last words, famous last words, and find everybody's, you know, I think it was Napoleon, his famous last words were, my boots, my boots, bring me my boots. There you go. It must have been a Texan. I don't know. He was ready for battle. I mean, various things. But here's the last words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, reading from the New International Version. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he says, hey, something's happening. I'm going to send forth my Holy Spirit. He's coming. He's going to be a part now of uh, this plan. And he's going to come on you. And, and, and it's like to be endued in power, to be like clothed, to be vested, you know, uh, and set apart. And uh, we'll, he says, and you'll have power to be witnesses. And we need this power to be witnesses. But look in verse, chapter 2 of Acts. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. So we see that what happened. And by the way, Pentecost means 50. And it's actually 50 days from Passover, okay? So from Passover, the time of when Jesus, you know, went in to be offered up as that sacrificial lamb for us, the lamb John the Baptist said that was slain before the foundation of the world, 50 days after that is Pentecost, okay? And that's where they get this Pentecost. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, everybody say Suddenly. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, that's cool because it filled the house. Some of you might have been in church where you felt like, man, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in the house, the anointing in the house. It's good that he's in the house. And it says, but then it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and separated and came and rested on each of them. Then it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There's something different. Something different about filling the house or filling the baptistry with, with water and then filling you. They were all filled with the Spirit of God. That word filled means piloted, governed, completely controlled, led by the Spirit. Remember John 14, 16 said that he dwells with you, but he will be in you. 
So he came to dwell with them, the early church, and it was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where that they wouldn't be alone, and he filled the house where they were. But more than that, he wasn't just with them, then he was in them as well. Let me tell you something. You can be a child of God. You can receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit will do his work. He'll be with you, and he'll help you in all that you do. But there's a difference in being with you and being in you. There's a difference of, you know, of... uh, being baptized and drinking, amen? <laughs> look, look at, uh, uh, on down here in, in, I think it's in, what is it, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I believe it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. The Apostle Paul is telling about the outward work and the inward work of the Holy Spirit. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, into the body of Christ, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been, what? Made to drink into one Spirit. There's a difference of being baptized and drinking, right? I went to a conference at Second Baptist Church up in Houston. And so I went, and they had a little break for lunch, and I went to their little restaurant, Second Helping. That's pretty cool, I thought. And so I was kind of there all by myself, you know. Here's all these Baptist preachers, and so they asked who I was. I told them, and asked what church I pastored, and I told them. They said, so uh, is that a Baptist church? I said, no, we're an interdenominational church. I said, we got some Baptists, we got some Methodists, we got some Presbyterians, we got some Catholics, we got people from all different. I said, but but we're, we're children of the living God. And so... They started asking a little bit of what I believed in. So they said, uh, so, but you believe in that baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't you? I said, absolutely, you don't? They go, well, you know. I said, so I quoted this scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. says, we've all been baptized into one body. You don't believe that when a child of God, when a person accepts the Lord, that they are, now these are Baptist, immersed, baptized into the body of Christ. Well, yeah. I said, but the rest of that scripture says we've all been made to drink. I said, the difference between me and you, I've been doing a little drinking. <laughs> I've just been doing a little drinking. And they didn't know what to, what to, they asked me a few other questions. And so we had a little bit of theology right there at that second helping. But, <laughs> but so he says, but we've all been made to drink. And so there is something different. The Holy Spirit came that day. He was poured out to help and to be there to dwell with us. But he also filled them. He filled them. He filled the house, but he also filled them. He was in them. And uh, they began to drink from the Spirit. Now, let me look at, let's look at something just pretty neat about these two events. I, I told you a while ago that, you know, Pentecost sets its clock by Passover. Passover is cool, you know. Uh, you know what hap- but we need to see what happened between Passover and Pentecost. You know, at Passover, that was in the, the, the scripture says, God told him, says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. We, that, we used to sing those old songs, you know, those old hymns where they actually had books back in those days, you know. Not, anyway, some of y'all don't know. But, it, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Wow, see, because uh, what happened that night there in Egypt was that they took the sacrificial lamb into their house and they sacrificed that lamb and they said they were to put the blood on the, door po- on the doorpost and on the lentils of their house. And that meant that death had already came to that house. So when the death angel came, he passed over because death had already come. Death already came to that house. Let me tell you something. Whenever death comes to me, when the, dark, when the kingdom of darkness comes to me, it has to pass over because death has already come to this house. 
I die with Christ. Just as we illustrated today, I died with Christ, but I'm risen with him. Death had already been there, so it passed over. And, you know, it wasn't that one house was any more spiritual than any other house. It was that when he saw the blood, when he saw the blood that he passed over, Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, was slain. And his blood has been sprinkled on the mercy seat, and it covers us today. You're covered with the blood of Jesus And so Satan has no right to touch you. He can't come to your house. He has to, oh, I don't know, y'all. I wish I had somebody to preach to this morning. I might get a little excited on this Pentecost Sunday. We were in Africa one year. It was in June, and Pentecost Sunday fell a little bit later that year. And, man, we we were getting excited that morning in church. Let me tell you, those people, they love to have church there. And it was Pentecost Sunday, and I was just preaching. I said, you know, I said, we're going to come back this afternoon. This, this church, it, only, I think it had just started. We'd, we used to go do medical clinics, and then because of that, people would get saved, and then they had a place to go to church, so we'd start a church and start having them. And so, you know, just a boldness was there. We're going to have, and I said, oh, you go out and you invite everybody that you can and have them come. I said, the Holy Spirit's going to be here, and he's going to move, and people are going to be healed and set free and curses broken because that, they lived under curses and various things like that. Hey, man, everybody got excited. And I says, and you know, we're going to pray this morning. And I said, on that day, there was 120. I says, it wouldn't surprise me if there's not 120 people in this room right now. And I thought, in my mind, I'm thinking, now watch it, preacher. <laughs> watch it, preacher. Because I'm thinking I might have to defend the Lord, you know, apologize for him. In fact, and you know, that anointing just kept going. I said, just count, just count right now. Just count in here and just see how many's in here right now. You know, they counted. There was 120 in that room that, that morning. The Holy Spirit was right. Man, we prayed. The Holy Spirit fell. Later on that afternoon, I want to tell you, they couldn't get in the church. They were outside the church. They were across the fields out to there, and the Holy Spirit moved. Man, I mean, people were set free from demonic curses that they had been over those people for years. The Holy Spirit moved. You know, he comes to be with us, but he comes to be in us. And, you know, they were changed. And so after that, there's something that changes. And just like Passover, man, that kingdom of darkness just has to keep on going. You know, when justice tried to come to my house, mercy went to the door and answered it. You know, I don't want justice. (laughs) If I got what I deserved, you know, justice is getting what you deserved. I don't want what I deserved. No, I don't want what I deserve. Remember, 1 John says that, that we are all sinners, and, and we're, still, we're still sinners. We're just saved by grace. So I don't want justice. I want mercy. I want mercy and grace. And so today, you know, because of Passover, when justice comes to my door, mercy goes and answers it. It's okay. <laughs> the blood covers it. The blood covers it. Amen? Are you glad for Passover? <laughs> you know, you'd be surprised at what's passed over me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but, you know, uh, in fact, tell somebody, you'd be surprised what's passed over me, too. <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of things that come, you know, um, but because of the blood, it had to just keep going. You know, uh, there's, I, I shouldn't be alive today, but you know what? It had to just pass over. Uh, you know, uh, you, you know, maybe um, there were things that probably should have taken me out, but it didn't. It had to just pass over when it came. Uh, there's things that came up against my house. My household, but it had to pass over. It had to just keep on going because of the blood of Jesus, amen? You know, that's what you need to do. You need to get aggressive, and you need to pray over your household. And Satan wants to steal your children. He wants to steal your grandchildren. He wants to do everything he can. He wants to steal your health. We need to cover our house with the blood of Jesus. Instead, let me tell you something. The righteous live here. 
you just got to pass on by. You just got to pass on by. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, but it comes up to, to Pentecost. And Pentecost speaks of a, a new beginning. Um, and something's happening. You know, I think about that early day um, that when... When that, the, the, the Spirit of God fell, there was a, a shaking and there was a fire. There was like a rushing wind that came and uh, there was a shaking going on. And, you know, I think that that needs to shake. It needs to shake us. We need to be shaking loose of some things and some things need to shake loose from us. Amen? We need a Pentecost Sunday. We need something new in our lives today. Hallelujah. Um, so, you know, I, I would hear the Lord say, get ready for a new beginning. Get ready for a new beginning. This, this number 50, you know, uh, it's, it talks about kind of a newness, a, a new decade. From P- Passover to Pentecost, there's seven weeks of seven days. And, uh, you know, seven speaks of infinity. And, and Jesus, uh, the disciples asked him, well, how many times do I have to forgive them? Seven times? He said seven, 70 times seven. You know, seven weeks of seven days, 49 days have happened since Passover, but today is the 50th day. Today's that new beginning. Today's when we step into something new. Tell somebody, get ready for a new beginning. Hallelujah. I jotted down here a note. The 50th day is the beginning of the eighth week of new beginnings. It's the beginning of a, of a new beginning. Amen. I want you to get ready for that. You know, Passover is good. You know, uh, on that day when the, Jesus hung on the cross, and the, it says that the, the ground began to shake and, and um, things uh, began to, you know, in fact, it shook so hard that graves opened up and, and the loved ones walked out, you know, and, and it began to shake things loose. Well, we, again, we need to just let that Passover happen in our life and we need to let the blood of Jesus cover us and, and seal us. It's that when shaking, the shakings of life come in our life that, that it uh, doesn't destroy us, but, you know, maybe something new happens in, in our life. Um, you know, maybe sometimes people say, you know, there's time, I probably should have been a statistic instead of being something else. So the different things that happened in my life, uh, uh, I probably should have been a, a case study, but, uh, something happened. I, I probably should have lost my, my mind a long time ago, but I want to tell you something that, uh, when all those things came, they had to pass over. They had to keep on going. Jesus, uh, the lamb that was slain and and he took those things for us. And so he said, you go and you wait in Jerusalem. You wait and you, you wait for that expected outpouring. I don't know today if we expect so much out of the Holy Spirit or not, but I want to tell you something. I think that we, we need to find our upper room, so to speak. And receiving the Holy Spirit, he, again, he does that outward work. There's nothing that you have to do for that. But for him to come in, he is a gentleman and he won't, he won't invade us. But we need, just as we received the Son, as we received Jesus Christ our, as Lord and Savior, we need to also receive the Holy Spirit and say, fill me. He helps us. We need help in this life. I can't live it on my own. I can't live an overcoming life on my own. I need supernatural help. Uh, he helps me to, to overcome. He helps to develop me. He helps to produce his character in me. He helps to produce his ability within me. I, I need his character, not my character. I don't need that guy that was jerking trim off of somebody's truck in Walmart parking lot. You know, I need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I, I need the fruit of the Spirit. In my, hey, now watch it when you clap real loud like that. <laughs> I need that, and you do too. But we can't really do it on our own. 
We need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need his character. We need wisdom. We need knowledge that he can give us, that uh, he can reveal to us. You know, I need help living this life. I need help in my prayers. The Holy Spirit helps us in that. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 26, he says, we don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself helps us with groanings that can't be uttered. You know, it says that God, he, the Spirit knows the mind of God and, and, uh, and that the, the, you know, God knows the mind of the Spirit and the Spirit knows the will of God. And so he can pray through us. When, he, when we're filled with him, he can pray through us and he can pray according to God's will when I don't even know it so that I don't stumble and get into my own will. He helps us to witness. That's what he said originally was help us to be witnesses. You know, there's always something that we think we can't because of this and that and, and I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be. Just be you and be a witness. Let people see Christ in you. And so the Holy Spirit helps us in our witness. He helps us to live the life that we need to live. He helps us to pray according to God's will. We need the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at likechristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.